America loves hoarding, Marlon Wayans loves heroin, and Kathy Bates loves company. This week on Welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a whirlwind vortex through three entire decades, only one week though, uh, of pop culture history. We'll be looking back 30, 20, and 10 years ago to the dates of uh, November 27th through December 3rd, where, where we're recording right now. What's celebrating a 30th, 20th, and 10th anniversary? Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. I'm Diana Goodman, and I'm your number one fan. <laughs> it's me, Sarah. And uh, I cannot wait to talk about that movie, because it's a little bit of a runover from Halloween for me. Very excited to go through the years 1990, 2000, and 2010, um, covering this one week of movies, TV, music, video games, and very much more. Got to thank our executive producer, Matthew Schultz, uh, and many other fine folks at patreon.com slash lasertime. Over $5 have helped us make this show for, we're almost coming up on five straight years. We will, I, I think that would put us halfway through the show's natural life cycle. <laughs> <laughs> I say natural because I'm, at this point, I'm down to be completely unnatural, ladies. Uh, let's do it. But Ten more years. Ten more oh, years. Nice. <laughs> Start reviewing our own episodes. So. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Oh. That was not so not a good showing for me. I'm really sorry, you guys. <laughs> and I got 18 things wrong. <laughs> yep. And I'll also say this week, after last week with the Thanksgiving weekend and it just a deluge of stuff, this is like we get this little island of calm. This week yeah. is pretty small. And then next week for, through the rest of December, it's just going to be gigantic tons of movies everywhere. Yeah, oh, it, seems like a, it, it seems like a week where... Uh, for movie-wise, where studios put a lot of interesting and weird things they didn't have a lot of faith in. Like, we're not watching yeah. this on Thanksgiving, but this is really cool and we like it. Uh, so I cannot wait to talk to you about some of the movies that are out this week, because they're not... They, they should have their praises sung, gosh darn it. Uh, and I promise I will curse a lot more later on. I'm only on my first beer. <laughs> Let's get into a little news of 1990. To bring you into the whole world of this decade 30 years ago, after weeks of rumors... Uh, Millie Vanilli holds a press conference admitting they didn't sing on their albums and they returned their Grammy. Um, mm-hmm. Their best new artist Grammy. That's that's got to hurt. It yeah. Does, yeah it, it, it's that's about their potential, too. That's not just, oh, we like this song. Yeah. Yeah. It's all a lie. Yeah. And especially that they, they, they opt to do that themselves, I guess, thinking there was something they could salvage. In this debacle, and 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 in hindsight, like I remember, like people didn't stop talking about this for months. Oh, but like years, people still talk about it. Yeah, I just. But in in terms of like scandals, like holy shit, would I cut off two of my fingers to like have this be the scandals we deal with nowadays? Oh, oh yeah, yeah? they didn't sing on their album. (laughs) Great, great. What's Kesha have to say about this? Yeah, like this is such a light controversy, and you know, I'm just, I was my. My iPhone connection broke in my car, and I'm listening to the hot new station. I'm like, we don't care about auto tune. We don't do. Mm-mm. When do when when do we admit we don't really care about the authenticity of the singer's voice? Why did we run Millie Vanilli out of town like this? Uh, poor Rob. He uh, we lost him over. Well, you know, he probably had his own demons. But like, uh, yeah, we only have one one Millie or Vanilli left. 
Oh, yeah. man. Vanillas, vanillas. <laughs> what did they go on to do after this? You didn't I mean, see this. Go... All I have to go tried on. tried to release an album with mm-hmm. them singing. And they sing, oh. eh, not mm-hmm. great. Yeah, I okay. think, I think not, they not, not great. They rebranded as Robin Fab. And okay. I think, I think you know, in the reality show era, they probably would have been doing just fucking fine. They'd been judging oh, yeah. singing mm-hmm. competitions and be on VH1 every week. But oh, yeah. all I have to go on is the VH1 behind the music were like, yeah, things were tough. And somebody committed suicide out of this. Oh, and um, they should, Yeah, they should have been the host of Lip Sync Battle. Yeah, like, what the fuck? We reward people for being Millie I Vanilli I mean, it's now. right there. Mm-hmm. Uh. And, and, that's a, and also, like, you're handsome dancers. There's got to yes. be some pride in that. Yes. <laughs> Poor Millie Vanilli. Um, that that's that should be. I wish we had more clever titles for our episodes. That's. I wish that could just be it. Poor <laughs> Millie Vanilli. Holy shit! This is this sounds amazing because this is something I remember hearing about as a little kid that seemed impossible. Also, this week in the news, channel workers from uh, the UK and France meet up. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Like, it's like a reverse Lady in the Tramp. <laughs> They're inside the two. I see. Instead of eating the two. I'm sorry. But yeah, the, the, the channel was was something I thought was impossible. And like, well, why doesn't everybody, why don't we dig one across the Atlantic and all have fun? Uh, yeah. But this yeah. took this took years and like almost like my entire existence, the channel was being built. It Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. It, it's a lot. You got to go all the way under, under the North Sea. And, you know, there's all kinds of geologic shit you got to figure out. And Krakens, you got to prop it up um, and. Yeah, obviously there's krakens, there's Vikings, there's all kinds of things you got to deal with, and it's freaking amazing. I've been in the channel. You do London to Paris in two and a half hours. Oh, holy shit! It damn. just blows through there, and yeah, you're under you're under the the uh, channel for like half an hour. It's truly mind boggling, honestly. Yeah. Like a, a real feat of human achievement yeah. that more people should talk about. Like, holy shit, we are under. And like a sea. That's very weird. Yeah, I, I yeah. lived in the, the Bay Area for 15 years. And every single week there's talk of that rapid transit train from L.A. to San Francisco or San Jose to San Francisco. It has mm-hmm. not moved even slightly. Mm. <laughs> no. like well, it's no... going to cost billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. And you got to get all the land rights. And then how fast is it going to go? Oh, no, there's a bird on it. Oh, we can't go fast <laughs> enough. Uh, Some stu- guy parked his truck there. Nope, I guess we can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, everybody else gets trains that do 200 miles an hour. Yeah. I, I took the Shinkansen yeah. in, in Japan. And it's I try to explain it to people. Like, imagine going from, like, Boston to New York in 30 minutes. And there's no two hours in airports. You just walk in 15 minutes later. You're in a train going 250 miles an hour. That goes so fast, it has to lean when it turns. Uh, oh. it is it is fucking great it it awesome. warps the view of the things you're passing it going so fast uh awesome is um, there any other place where there is an underwater like under the ocean floor under the sea floor transportation like the area this? The, oh, the, not yeah. as long this might be the longest one yeah okay yeah, yeah. it's got to be the longest one still it is scary your first time always scary uh, and we mentioned this last week. Madonna's incredibly controversial music video, Justify My Love, is banned from MTV. And so ABC is an interview with Madonna about the Justify My Love video. And I love the way Diana wrote this. Air, and airs it in its entirety after MTV is banned. It, she releases it as a video signal on video single on VHS and makes all of the money. We're now yeah. talking about her music video. We're now promoting her promotion of her album. 
yes. <laughs> of one song I, on that album. Like Madonna I, is a genius. Yeah, I went and looked it up. Nine ninety eight. That's the retail. It costs you ten dollars to get a five minute video. Wow. And at least one million Americans bought it. Something wow. like four million worldwide. I mean, two dollars a minute. That's like phone sex prices. <laughs> <laughs> Or like porn pay-per-view, but you only have to pay it one time. How long does it even take to rewind a five-minute video? I can't, I, I can't even wrap my head around it, but like, You could Jesus. do it by hand <laughs> <laughs> while you're doing other things by hand. <laughs> I just, well, I, VHS, the holes don't go all the way through, so you can't use a pencil like you uh, used to do with cassettes. That's true. That's when true. Old people know what I'm talking about. Yep. Madonna always knows how to get... Even I recently watched a Madonna video just because like... How the fuck did Madonna get Chris Rock, Kanye West, Katy Perry, and more to just appear in her dumb music video? How does this, how does this woman keep doing this? How's, during a quarantine. During, <laughs> during a quarantine. Man, okay, that is, the, that is the news, though. And 1990 movies, let's get into that. Uh, November 27th to December 3rd. Home Alone is rightfully number one at the box office, uh, you horse's ass. Um, or you filthy animals, whatever reference you prefer. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just killing time because both of these movies are fascinating and worth watching. <laughs> Could be the worst double feature of all time. <laughs> from, from the makers of Reanimator and Puppet Master come what we thought was the Robotech movie. Uh, I love infuriating anime fans. Ladies and gentlemen, Gary Graham and Emery Johnson, Robot Jocks. Two men. Yeah! Now this is gonna get to me. Two machines. Two wild. It's clobbering time! Get ready for Robot Jocks. Rated PG. Ooh, this is like such a huge bomb, but I remember to this day, my friends and I and people in our schoolyard saw like two commercials for this and couldn't remember what it was called. It just didn't have a good marketing budget. And we talked about it for fucking years. Where is this live action Robotech movie? And it, it's got it's got a stupid name. It's tonally all over the place. But like, how could this not have been a hit? Pacific Rim isn't a smart movie. <laughs> It's but it's fun. It's fun. It's a great fucking film. I was like on let's I can't remember the last time I was on the edge of my seat more than in Pacific Rim. And the effects are dated, but it's effect, essentially rocky with giant robots uh with some international conspiracy post-apocalyptia uh thing going on. This movie's fan yeah. a fantastic watch. It's a great bad movie. It, it is it is definitely a great bad movie. I I, I give it so much credit for its ambition because it could just be in the future we have robot boxing, and <laughs> instead they spit they they spin it into this big you know after the apocalypse now the society is reformed and we banned war and this is how we deal with international conflict <laughs> so it's like basically the Russian robot guy and the American robot guy are like fighting over who's going to get Alaska yeah. And they oh. have big robot fights. <laughs> so it's kind of like the Olympics, basically, but with real consequences. Yeah. yeah so it's like you got I some gladiator it. stuff in there. Yeah. Plus, like if people drove Transformers and they fought and there's like a lot of hype before it, like they hype everyone up for the match. It's, it's so goofy. It's, it's a great idea. It's so goofy. By the way, if, <laughs> if you're looking for this movie, Jocks is spelled J-O-X. We yes. should note. <laughs> This is hard enough to find when I wanted to see it when it came yeah. out. Is this movie bombed like a motherfucker? Yeah, it, it's a huge, huge bomb. I mean, like, and part of it, you know, critically, it was savage, but like, 
you know, the makers of Reanimator and Puppet Master are used to that, and they're geniuses, so critics can shut the fuck up. And yeah, but they're they're low budget, you know, kind of folks, and yeah. there's a lot of special effects in there. You got to build the big robot suits, and there's mm-hmm. some stop motion, and there's a lot of models, and yeah, it ended up costing them like real money. I think they went out of business yeah. <laughs> before it even came out. Yeah, you know, yeah, come out like a year ago, six months ago, but like they keep running out of financing, and mm-hmm. and. My favorite thing about it is seeing the, how the writer and director Stuart Gordon of From Beyond and Reanimator fame argued over the tone of the movie because the movie does bounce way too quickly to like incredibly serious. And there's nothing in there that's like offensive for children other than like in the middle of a fight, the good guy gets dismayed and disheartened because his uh, robot's mid match falls on a stadium full of hundreds of people and kills them. <laughs> and it shows this. <laughs> And it's like, that's a little much for a kid like a kid to wrap their head around. Oh, are you telling me my sport can have innocent consequences? Whatever. Civil War did it. Yeah. <laughs> the Sokovia Accords. The kids can handle it. What am I saying? But Robot Jocks, track it down. Find it any way you can. It is a tough one to find. But I think Shout Factory put out a great Blu-ray with a ton of commentary and behind-the-scenes features on which I'm dying to get my hands on now. Because, like... All I want to do is see how they made this movie. It, it it is fun to look at when there aren't they aren't in a fucking like elongated scenes in a fucking space bar and <laughs> and just like in the future post apocalypse we will still have Texas oil barons. It's great. I fuck. I just, oh sure, <laughs> they're never going away. Don't want to spoil anything, robot jocks. But like the big movie out this week, if you haven't been listening to Laser Time. And I know a lot of you haven't. We just wrapped up during Halloween the best and worst of Stephen King. This movie is uh, critically on every site in the top three horror, if not the top three in general, beaten out yep. by like Carrie occasionally and Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> but like, come on, man, those are huge. And this I, this doesn't get talked about enough because when I rewatched this, it really, it really terrified me. And, and also, uh, I think adjusted for inflation, it's one of the highest grossing. It made $61 million of 90 money opposed to like 260 of its 2017 money. Of course, I'm talking about Lauren Bacall, Richard Farnsworth, Kathy Bates, and uh, introducing Kathy Bates and James Caan uh, in Misery. Somewhere in the middle of nowhere, America's number one author just met his number one fan. I think Walt Sheldon might be in some kind of trouble. Don't even think about anybody coming for you. Directed by Rob Reiner. From the novel by Stephen King. Trust me, it's for the best. Misery, rated R. Starts Friday at select theaters. Why do they have the, the freshman trailer narrator? Ah, the aliens music on that. I love it. Oh, really? That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I recorded this knowing, I think knowing this was a Stephen King movie off like a free preview of HBO or Showtime. And I watched it uh, having, you know, my I'm, I'm 10. My friends aren't really talking about Misery. And I thought it was a Stephen King movie. And instead, it was far scarier than anything I could have ever dreamed of. This movie was, I think I saw it a little too early. And mm. it's it's wonderful. And I remember it so vividly as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Misery. Yeah. Well, it's it's crazy that we're two weeks out from it being on TV, yeah, and and, and that they both hit right after Halloween. That's yeah. kind of wow, yeah. But yeah. yeah, Stephen King having a bit of a time because 
again, we're tapping into very basic fears of I'm kidnapped. It's basically I'm I'm kidnapped. I'm physically immobilized, and this person taking care of me. Well, she seems so nice at first, mm -hmm. and then he goes, "Oh, but yeah, she it... is deeply, deeply psychotic." And how the fuck am I gonna get out of here? Yeah, I, yeah I, it's I, played I, so well by Kathy Bates. Like chilling uh, and not over the top. Like subtle in the parts where it needs to be subtle and over the top in the parts where it needs to be over the top. She just like really hits it out of the park. Yeah, not, and this is our first time seeing her. Well, it's, like, it's as she's, an actress. She's been in like she's a couple a, uh, TV, the TV roles, very small, very, very okay. small things. And William Goldman of Princess Bride right. fame like recommends her. And I just like, where did you see her? Was it her episode of L.A. Law that she really shined? It's just it is it is a bizarre role and an actress you who let's be honest kind of became a household name because of this film. Kathy mm -hmm. Bates is famous because mm -hmm. of this. And yeah, because right. I I can't imagine anybody no. else in this part. Yeah. Mm -mm. Not even close. Yeah, I mean, right. she'd been in uh, on stage for a long time. She'd been, you know, come back to the five five and dime Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean. She'd been in stuff, but yeah, she wasn't really known and. Yeah. She's so perfect because she's so average Midwestern lady. She looks like half my friend's moms. Yeah, she looks like every, everybody's mom. And the, the story being an author crashes his car and is rescued by one of his biggest fans. Of course, he learns later she hasn't told anybody she's rescued him, reads his manuscript for a new book, doesn't like the way it's going for the character she loves, hobbles him, tortures him, keeps him there tra to change his book. And it's... Yeah, it, it it was I I was expecting something like with vampires or something like that and like it that hobbling sequence in this film Oof. and it Oof. is one of the most terrifying things I've ever I was full Kruger and Jason at this point that was still like ow yeah. I I remember the way it's shot and filmed I, I remember it very vividly it shocked the yeah. shit out of me and and her attitude in the scene is what does yeah. it where she's threatening but also like this is for the best yeah. I love right. you so much Oof. yeah. Yeah, well, this is the first scene, the first movie in two movies that we'll talk about in this show, where is very visceral, disturbing physical harm is done to someone. Yeah. <laughs> so both movies I would not revisit necessarily, certainly not those scenes. Yeah, so I feel like, Antisa, you and I were talking about this, and I can't remember if it was like just off air or whatever, mm -hmm. but this is more to me a thriller than a horror, right? right? I agree. Yeah. Okay, I agree. I just but to make there sure. was still there's still haunting, horrific elements to it, and I think mm -hmm. just on the basis of them being, you know, I'm a little kid writing stories, I want to be a writer, and like Jesus, <laughs> fuck, yeah. I, I've, I've, I've never been a werewolf hunter before. I never expected this kind of shit to happen to me. Uh, well, and that's what I think keeps this movie relevant. Mm -hmm. um, is it really does explore that idea of like the parasocial relationships yeah. that fans form with their creators and uh how there's definitely upsides and downsides to that sort of thing you know i have to imagine a lot of it is stephen king's appraisal of some of his weirder fans well, according to him she basically represents his cocaine addiction oh, oh. wow and it's like that's a very interesting way of looking at it. It's like, I I just I want to write something different. I want to do something new. And she is like, no, I'm going to drag you back to do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. You can't move on with your life. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. You can't break free of me. You need this crutch in order to be you. Yep. Interesting. I, that instantly makes sense to me. Okay. Yep. So it's not even a takedown of his fans. Yeah. But a, a beautiful film on like a real neat shriek of Rob Reiner's. I know. Oh, he <laughs> yeah. is fucking killing it right now yeah. 
Well, right. we had when Harry met Sally, we had Princess Bride. He, yeah. Uh, what, Stand By Me before that? And, and with his That's first Stephen King adaptation under the studio, he formed named after a place in a Stephen King book, Castle Rock mm-hmm. Entertainment. Um, and yeah, they'd go on to make, Castle Rock would go on to make Dolores Claiborne, Green Mile, Shawshank Redemption. It's very, very, it shouldn't be strange is what I'm saying, that the, the big Stephen King fans made a great adaptation out of a Stephen King movie. I just Rob Reiner doesn't get talked about as like one of the greatest directors for at least a decade. Mm-hmm. Even in my dreams, he was the evil principal of an all Muppet high school very recently. So like even in my, <laughs> my dreams, Rob Reiner is shit upon. But uh, this movie's fucking fantastic. And if you've never... So good. I, I think I was talking to Diana about that. Like, I felt like when this movie came out, it's pop culture resonance and ripple and the parody effect was everywhere for years. Oh, yeah. And I never mm-hmm. see it anymore. But, like, everybody sort of knew what Misery was. And I don't feel like that's the case anymore. Yeah, well, it's... I mean, it's so... Because I, I rewatched it again for the first time in quite some time. Mm-hmm. And I forgot how how it's very entertaining because first it's the sort of the slow realization of, Oh shit, he is stuck here Mm -hmm. now. And then it starts to become more of a chess match of him finding ways to try to get out of this. while she's not around. Like, can he Jimmy the door? Can he, you know, literally crawl around trying to figure out like, okay, is the door unlocked? No. Is the phone there? Uh, okay. Where, where do I go? What what can I steal <laughs> that I can hide under the mattress and maybe it'll help me later? Yeah. And then, then, then scooting back as fast as he can because, oh, shit, she's coming. Yeah, there were a couple times that I was sweating watching it. Like, ooh, <laughs> yeah, very just... scary. And also, too, the idea of, like, how do I deal with this person? Do I just do whatever she says and hopefully that'll, like, help her maybe like me and then let me go? Or do I stand up to her? Like, how do you even deal with someone like that? It's, Mm. It's quite frightening. I, I I can't say enough good things about this movie. And again, for someone who is seeking out scares, this movie scared me even more. And I get that it's a thriller, but it is there is something you know. I'm not worried about being caught in the 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 world of the mangler. But this is like, yeah, you can be kidnapped by a crazy person. It is. I'm on board for this being a plausible situation, even if it won't be because of my writing. Probably because of some (laughs) stupid podcast joke I made. Misery, I can't recommend enough. I really can't. And Mm -hmm. and just like it makes the oddest star turn I think I've ever seen out of Kathy Bates. Just like a frumpy, every woman just becomes like, did she get, did she win the Oscar for this? Oh, yeah. 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 It's like not even a competition. Yeah. Like even the other nominees were like, yeah, 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 I know. (laughs) This woman's like second movie. Let's just give her the fucking Oscar. Uh, this movie's fantastic, and you deserve to put some respect on Kathy Bates' name. Television. Yeah. <laughs> Television uh, of 1990, November 27th through uh, December 3rd. This week we have, uh, ooh, an LA, L.A. Law episode titles, <laughs> Vowel Play. <laughs> Vowel the titles play. are the best. Yes. I... Because I was watching L.A. Law back then because I was a weird kid, but we never knew what the vo- what the, uh, the episode titles are. And now when I look back at them, I'm like, God damn, episode titles are the best thing about this show. <laughs> Truly. But So, yeah, Vowel Play, it does involve Wheel of Fortune. Yes! And uh, John Spencer and Debbie Mazar join the cast. Oh, oh, that's so exciting because I am rewatching The West Wing now and John Spencer <laughs> is just the best. Mm-hmm. He's so good. He was, he was the guy with the blues explosion, right? <laughs> yes, I, I don't have an idea. I would pay so much money for that. Um, for John Spencer to still be alive so he could have a blues explosion, yes. 
uh, well, look at this. Uh, twin, no, no, DuckTales, the finale of DuckTales is this week. Uh, you'd think I'd want to talk a lot about that, but this was back in the day when they didn't really want... A, animated shows didn't know they were wrapping up because they were kind of told, like, uh, you know, when they've been working on an episode for nine months, hey, that's the last one. There's no time to make another one. And also, the this was Disney's first big stab at syndication, and they didn't really want viewers to know that their show was ending. Uh, even though yeah, Gummy Bears they, had, had an ending. It does have an ending. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they did exactly 100 episodes, yep. you know, in basically four seasons since 1987. It's like, we're doing 100. Yeah. For, now for we an, did it. Now we can another, syndicate it. We're good. Another three years, DuckTales would air without a new episode in the exact same time slot. As of this week, it would because that's how the the model worked, and it was still mm-hmm. popular. And you, you're a little kid, unless you're taping every episode, you you never know if you're seeing another one. And I didn't realize they made seven episodes after the movie, and they added in some of the characters from the movie into the last seven mm-hmm. episodes. So this one has Dijon in it, which Ooh, is yeah. a stereotype that holds up as immaculately as you'd expect. <laughs> um, and he meets his brother Poupon. And uh, oh, no, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Poupon, come on. And, <laughs> Poupon, and they're and they're they're Arab stereotypes for some reason. So like, why the mustard what? references? Uh, like, <laughs> why a French mustard? I just assumed they were French characters. I think because Dijon sounds like a Middle Easty name. Um, but you know, smaller world. But it, it, Ducktales wraps up five years of making new episodes um, this week. And and speaking of. Semi-finales, this is the weirdest thing I've ever heard of in a show that um, I'm very anxious to catch up on. Mm-hmm. Twin Peaks, uh, the episode Arbitrary Law airs on the 1st of December. Uh, what, mm-hmm. And Sarah, what goes down there? This is when Laura's killer is finally revealed to the other characters of the show. We as the audience have known this for about a week or two, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think but then two weeks. Someone called us on this, too. Yeah, I apologize right. that... I got confused on which episode was which, and so mm-hmm. I didn't have the, we find out who Laura's killer is. I mm-hmm. thought it was this one, but actually this is the, all the characters find out who Laura's killer is. So the, yeah. audience, the audience and, finds out first, and it has to wait more than yeah. one week? Mm-hmm. Yep. Weird. Mm-hmm. Which makes it, it's a great technique because mm-hmm. it just ups the stakes for you as an audience to already know who did it, and then watch people trying to figure it out, and being in danger themselves potentially because of it. It's just a really good technique that they use, but uh, it's a fantastic episode. It's where you hear the whole fire walk with me poem um, Mm -hmm. is recited Mm -hmm. and yeah, just such a good show, man. I don't know. It's really a great rewatch. It's on my list. I I would recommend people who, Want to know how it ends? Don't watch the European movie version of the the pilot episode because they sort of tell right. you. <laughs> yeah, and, but it's a different killer. It, it is, yeah. but some of the things are the same. But but it, yeah. I forget how did, how did that work? ABC was all over Twin like Twin Peaks to like reveal the killer at this point. Yeah, and because it, it felt like the show was spinning its wheels. It just kind of kept going and like. Do you not know who David Lynch is? Ass... The last David Lynch movie I saw was him having a conversation with a monkey. Nobody spins their wheels like David Lynch. <laughs> yeah. So people, they were just getting frustrated. They're bringing in all these weird subplots and people mm-hmm. like, characters are going off and having other little adventures. And they're like, uh, could we at least finish this one and then we can have another mystery maybe? <laughs> eh. Yeah. It's, it's pretty well. I mean, what's fun too is that Sam and I are watching Riverdale now for the first time. And mm-hmm. it's all on Netflix and 
what else are we going to do? Made a free time. Stuck inside our house. Um, and it's given me very Twin Peaks vibes. Same really? sort of like atmospheric uh, setting and like it's very noirish in a lot of ways and same ways that Twin Peaks are is the way people talk and dress are like very stylized and very specific. There's no there's not a supernatural element to um, Riverdale, but it really I feel like gives me a lot of the same sort of vibe. So I don't know. I've been wanting to watch Riverdale for a long time because I loved Archie comics Me when too. I was growing up. And I have to recommend it. It's pretty good. I watched the first two episodes and I was pretty shocked by the, what little I knew about Twin Peaks. Like, oh, the music, the slow camera movements. I cannot believe it starts with a murder. And like, I cannot mm-hmm. believe they're going for this with the, the Riverdale gang. And it was incredibly watchable. And then I decided I'm not made of free time. And there are comic adaptations of characters I really like that I don't have time to watch. Eat shit, Riverdale. And he, and it was fun. But it was fun to watch Archie fuck Mrs. Weatherby. Because, Jesus, if you read a <laughs> lot Grundy. of... Miss Grundy. Miss Grundy. Miss <laughs> Grundy. Mr. Weatherby's the principal. Uh, don't That's correct right. me, everyone. I, I know who everybody is. Don't uh, worry. I'm on it, guys. Nobody needs to, like, write in. Oh, all right. And, <laughs> I got it. And uh, this week on and Saturday... John Goodman and musical guests Faith No More join SNL. And man, uh, we have highlighted it is the premiere of the first ever It's Pat sketch. And I have oh, sweet Jesus. zero idea if that is worth laughing at nowadays. Um, I, I, I just genuinely don't, even though it seems pretty harmless in that just the joke is usually on everybody else. And then Pat drops no clues as to her gender identity. And every other character obsesses over it to their downfall through most sketches. But this has like 20 sketches in a movie that come out of it. I know. And the movie I've seen a bunch of times. How? This thing that ran on HBO all the time. So I would like go visit my grandparents. I would be like the only thing to watch. And yeah, I I have not revisited it. I do think – I don't know how it would look today. I'm – banking on probably not great um probably doesn't age well but i do have to say the creativity of coming up with so many like situations and questions that the characters ask them in order to mm-hmm. get like to gender neutral places is yeah, right. i think a pretty interesting exercise at the very least that can you be know. kind of fun yeah uh their partner chris and right. yes. i think they broke up with terry terry yep. and- <laughs> And, Robin and, might and the, have been involved. Yeah. The joke's rarely ever on Pat. Pat is just like this, like it's Julius Sweeney's Urkel. Like I feel like it could have mm-hmm. been used yeah. in maybe some. You, it could be used today in something that's not quite as like cringy. Uh, but like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not here to defend. It's Pat. I, I, I bet Lauren Michaels is happy. It's the only SNL movie he doesn't have a producer credit on. But mm. it, instead, this episode has, I think, what might be my favorite SNL sketch of all time. Oh, and, whoa! And, yeah, for real. Now, Dave, Dave and I discussed this because every once in a while, being an SNL nerd means you have intimate knowledge of a parody, but not the subject of the parody. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and, and yep. that that happened with us. And I, I was a little closer than Dave, given just given how much my father watched PBS and how little cable we had. But when John McLaughlin died, it's like, man, I know nothing about you other than Dana Carvey's character, <laughs> who on his PBS roundtable talk show where he just shouts wrong at his at his, pan, his panelists and this is the first one and this to me oh. is is one of the most perfect sketches i've ever seen in my whole life and it's even it is even numbered in order of escalation because john john is it john mclaughlin jim mclaughlin 
It's a real um, show on PBS. Yeah. But uh, Pat Buchanan is the character played by uh, Phil Hartman. That's a real person. Some of these other mm-hmm. some of these other people, like when I hear of them, I'm like, why do I know this person? Jan Hooks played you in the McLaughlin sketch. <laughs> like that. Otherwise, I, I would have no idea. But it, it just it flows perfectly. Dana Carvey commits and spits and screams with the best of them. Issue two. Yeah. <laughs> Trade laws, are they fair? Well, John, wrong! Just constantly <laughs> interrupts. And sorry, as I'm interrupting Diana. No, it's true. But like I, I've seen enough actual McLaughlin group back in the day to know like the weird nicknames is true. Him yeah, <laughs> declaring something is wrong and that there is a correct answer where it's like rate something one to ten. No, the correct answer was six. It was it was six. And this and this is a clip I have but this is the sixth time he's he's called everybody wrong and he also is coming up with new nicknames every time. Wow. Issue number six, what did you have for breakfast today? Eleanor. Some cantaloupe. Morton I... Town, USA. I had poached eggs and toast. Just your mundo. Bacon and eggs. Patty patty buke buke. I'm thinking waffles, maybe Wrong. a little. Wrong! You all had special K with banana. <laughs> issue number seven. What is issue 14 going to be? Some say it will deal with an economic matter. Others believe it will involve Germany. More teeny tiny tabletop. No acid rain? Wrong! Eleanor, gee, I think you're swelling off. I have. <laughs> I have Wrong. no idea. You know quite well. You're just shy. Mondo, Jackalope, G-Man, Mania, Jack. I'm not finished with your name, Jamonical. <laughs> Jack-O-Lantern, J-G, Jummy, Jummy, Jimmy, Mayhem. You're insane, John. Wrong! <laughs> I'm perfectly sane. Everyone else, however, is insane and trying to steal my magic bag. St. Patrick of Buchanonomics. I think I'm going to leave, John. Wrong! You can't leave. All the doors are locked from the outside. Next issue. <laughs> You can you can hear how exhausted the audience is by all this. It's just the that, jokes just keep oh, on coming. My face wow. hurts. That is a, that's truly like skill. That is amazing. <laughs> After my it. magic bag, uh, it's something I use all the time. But that my salute to what in my I would put that in the top three greatest SNL sketches ever. It really works oh, for me every God. time. The McLaughlin Group. It's it may not be on YouTube, but it's on M- N- NBC.com. Oh. Whew, I gotta collect myself. I laughed a little too hard there. I'm sweaty. Um, okay, this is books, and this is a book we may have missed, but it hits it hits the bestseller list this week, Sarah. It, yeah, it sometimes with books, it's very hard to track down the exact date of publication. So I've been kind of going off when it hits the New York Times bestseller list, mm-hmm. and this week. Jurassic Park. Billy the and the time. Clonosaurus. Oh, <laughs> 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 Jurassic Park. <laughs> and this is such, I mean, obviously, I don't even have to say what a huge deal this is. I mean, yeah. this book is phenomenal. And you know, what's funny, too, is that for a pretty significant number of people that I've talked to about this book, for many of them, this is the first adult book that they remember reading. And I think wow. that's probably true for me, too. Like, I read it in sixth grade, and I remember being like, this is a very grown-up book. Like, before that, I was reading, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. middle-grade books and, like, Boxcar children. <laughs> yeah. And and now – and then when I read this, I was like, oh, damn. Okay. I can read grown-up right. books now. And now you're opening a book that opens with a baby getting eaten by dinosaurs. Yeah. Oh, yes. Which they actually put in the second <laughs> movie. Like, I was, I was pretty shocked by that. Uh, yeah. I, and I was I was too dumb to like continue reading this, but I remember that I was reading a ton of books. But when I picked this up, like this is one of the, like the paper books my mom reads, 
with a super thick spine and it was just a different size because I was reading mostly kids books. It was a, it was the first book of that size that I ever read. And I, I just grabbed a little anecdote from our, our friend David Peckham in the Laser Time Facebook community because he's like, uh, he was celebrating it. Uh, he wanted to give a late happy birthday to Jurassic Park, which he seems to pinpoint for November 20th, 1990. That's if, if you say so. And he writes, it's astonishing to think of how this one book, part pulpy dinosaur adventure, part dry essay thesis on genetics, computer systems slash chaos theory, led to groundbreaking and earth-shaking revolutions in the fields of filmmaking, special effects, puppetry, robotic cinema, and most of all, paleontology. With this book, without this book, we may have never progressed beyond visuals of dinosaurs being giant, tail-dragging, lumbering beasts. In 1992, when paleontologists were working with ILM and Dennis Murin, they'd created test footage of a CGI tyrannosaur applying muscle and skin over the images of fossilized skeletons and crafting an AI walk cycle based on how those muscles would work together. In that moment, as the Rex began to walk, bobbing its head, one of the paleontologists rec- uh, recognized the walk pattern. Holy shit, it's a chicken. Mm. <laughs> and <laughs> the paleontologist and ILM crew quickly uh, uh, found footage of chickens and birds walking compared to the program in the CG Rex. And sure enough, it moved exactly like a bird. That moment alone almost completely turned the entire paleontolog- paleontological world on its head with hundreds of theories being revised like lightning, answering longstanding mysteries laying dormant in the fossil records and dredging up millions more questions. And those are Daniel's words. That's to say nothing on how special effects in movies changed, how summer movies <clears throat> became incredibly important again. Or at least that's that's how I remember it. Because we rolled like right from this into Forrest Gump, and it was just like every summer had a different movie phenomenon that everyone had to see. Yeah. I, yep. Yep. Yeah. A big spectacle. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly effects-based spectacles, but also, oh, we can use effects for things that aren't, you know, aliens attacking. Yeah. Yeah, the idea is like, oh, we can rebuild dinosaurs as realistically as possible, yeah. even if that doesn't fully fit our idea of what they're going to be. We can rebuild. J- we can rebuild it. JFK and have Tom Hanks talk to him as yep. the next year. Um, but yeah, Jurassic Park. It, it it if you look at it just as he described it, like it, it is bizarre how the ripples through our world Jurassic Park would then would end up having. Just uh, inter- True, like yeah. some of you younger kids can probably turn around and find like several toys, and it yeah, it's astonishing. Change, change, oh, yeah. Yeah. and. And what it did for the career of Michael Crichton. Yeah. He'd been oh around gosh. for a long ass time, man. Mm-hmm. Andromeda Strain and Great Train Robbery, which is pretty damn good. And, you know, he wrote all these books and all of a sudden he is gigantic. You know, he'd been making movies and writing for, mm-hmm. you know, decades. And all of a sudden he's the biggest fucking thing ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it was a juggernaut. I mean, oh, pretty much everybody's family i think probably had a copy of this laying around somewhere and it's true though uh on the comment that you just read Mm -hmm. it is like there are some real dry sciencey parts of it (laughs) i do think it probably could have done with some editing but i love that that was such like a lot of people's first introduction to the idea of things like chaos theory and you know, genetics and stuff. This is probably the reach it has on, I think, inspiring children into STEM fields Mm -hmm. is Mm. probably incalculable. 
honestly. Like I yeah. for a lot of people, this was their first introduction. Like, holy shit, science is awesome. Yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's bring dinosaurs back. <laughs> Not me. I remember reading the exact parts you're talking about and like, oh, just say mosquito. Hurry up and say mosquito. That's the <laughs> one thing I understand about how this works. And and Yep. I'm just waiting for the this book to finally inspire the thing that I think science can do and I think science should do. Mm-hmm. Bring back woolly mammoths. Sure. I'm, I think I'm we can do it. Totally in support of that. I think we can I do to- it. Now, dinosaurs, I think we've learned probably a terrible idea. You know, there's too much time between us and then we can't cohabitate. But we already cohabitated with woolly mammoths. Right. Bring back woolly mammoths. Ooh, and just like the movie Jurassic Park, where that little missing sequence where they use frog DNA, uh, they can use Italian DNA. And I can say that just to get the woolly backs. That- <laughs> oh, <laughs> All right. Use what? elephant. Come on. Oh, Elephants. Okay. Just saying, my dad would be happy. Donate <laughs> his deep. body to science, yeah, basically. That, that baby gorilla, he, he could. You want a mammoth that's super woolly? He can help you. Right. Um, they, again, and then we make know. a documentary that Ray Romano narrates. Oh. I have it all planned. Oh man, my RNA <laughs> sequence is all bugaboo, and then the Jim Antista came in there and really fixed everything. Uh, I want to thank, thank Daniel Beckham for that. Those were his words. I said about Jurassic Park, the book, not mine. Um, just want to make sure we haven't done that in a while. I just want to make sure people knew that. Uh, video games this week, not much to speak of, but we'll go more in depth on Patreon.com/slash Laser Time. Music of 1990, November 27th through uh, December. Third, we got some new releases, including Ghost Nation by Hunters and Collectors and Put Yourself in My Shoes by Clint Black. Uh, we're going to close that with I'm Your Baby Tonight by Whitney Houston because it is number one. Yeah. Um, Such a great song. And is this the song so, they, they accuse of uh, the X Men theme song ripping off? Um, I'll have to look into yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yes. Oh my God. Ba-na-na-na-na-na. Yes. They did. Yes. I hear it. Yeah. I can hear it in wow. my head. Wow. <laughs> okay. You're totally right. The X-Men theme rips off this song. Um, you'll this song. tonight. <laughs> yes. Song. Freaking <laughs> banger. It's one of these where it's like when I look up songs for the show, usually I like I look them up and, okay, yeah, I'll download that. Oh, I look it up. Okay, I don't. This one gets played to the end <laughs> while I dance while I dance in my chair. Okay, now I'll download it. Now I'll download it. Stop looking at me weird, Steve. That's a Diana situation. But we'll close up with <laughs> yeah. Whitney Houston. We'll be right back. Uh, we got to talk about heroin. Stay right there. Whatever you want from me, I'm giving you everything. I'm your favorite tonight. You're giving me ecstasy. You are my fantasy. I'm your favorite tonight. I'm the second. I doubt that. Get paid on the Fifteen, we bought that a thousand in grams. The woody, I got that. Gone for sixteen five. You want it? Then holla back. Me in the project, living woody, rolling with my boys, hustling on them blocks, but we strapped with them toys. You come faking in front, you get your wig split, woody. Coming in to 2000 with Master P. Oh, you thought this was just a 1997 thing? I don't think so. It's uh, about Dat by Master P off of Ghetto Passage. Not to be confused with Ghetto Dope or I'm About It. Man, you want to imagine the most annoying period of my life 
bunch of me and my friends run around screaming, I'm about that, and I'm about it. Oh, that sounds unbearable. 20 years, 20 years ago, I wish I am glad I had no podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to 2000, everyone, November 27th through December 3rd. Other mu- new music releases this week. We've got Dope Throne by Electric Wizard, In a Beautiful Place Out in the Country by Boards of Canada, Since I Left You by The Avalanches, The Fake Sound of Progress by Lost Prophets, Suburban Light by The Clientele, and the self-titled album by Human Nature. Independent Women Part 1 by Destiny Child is still number one. Charlie's Angels getting down like that for the Throw fourth... Throw your cons- hands up at me. Yes. <laughs> fourth consecutive week. 2000 probably won't prolong this because it looks like we won't have a similar election situation 20 years to, from the day uh, as this seemingly settles down i i kept yelling at my right-wing friends like there is no fraud and they're not even arguing that in court just have this guy do whatever bullshit he was gonna do now just do whatever thing i signed an executive order i but maybe that won't even happen but it didn't it was it was weirder and more it, Definitely more chaotic 20 years ago because the Florida election recount is still going on this week. And I know we keep talking about it, but the deadline's been extended. And um, as Diana writes, I'm guessing Catherine Harris continues her fuckery, as does Ralph Nader. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting into, I mean, everyone's starting to go to court more and they're like, can we do this recount? No, how about that recount? Well, this is the deadline. No, this is the deadline. And it just, as part of why it just drags on and on and on. What is Ralph Nader doing? I can't remember. Because he, remember, he's the guy I voted for 20 years ago. I, I'll never forgive you for this. Because you were in a swing state. That's I know. I know. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's just annoying everybody. And everyone on the left are blaming him. And then mm. the far left are blaming Gore. And everyone's blaming each other. And, you know, you you know how it goes. It's like what sure. we had. But I, I remember more, even more acrimonious. One of my favorite moments on television was three years later where Ralph Nader appeared on Bill Maher's show, seemingly like he was going to announce something. And Michael Moore and Bill Maher got down on their knees and begged him on live television, please don't run. Don't, please don't run. Please. Please. I don't, I don't think we've ever, I've ever seen anything like that before in my life. Granted, it's a comedy show. Um, Vicente Fox is sworn in as president of Mexico, making him the first guy from another political party in 71 years. Holy shit. Yeah, that's what you get when you have one party rule. It goes on for a really long time. And I know basically nothing about uh, his presidency, but I know his post-presidency. Everything he has to say about Trump has been hilarious. Yes, that is true. That is true. (laughs) He's the only only president I've seen comfortably say the word fuck. Like, f- yep. fuck you. <laughs> Give the finger. Yeah. yeah. Fun. You want your wall? Fuck your wall. Fuck your wall. <laughs> Beautiful. Love it. Beautiful. And Vicente Fox, by the way, really great pet name, I think. Uh, that Ooh. don't A bunch of people are sleeping on it. Don't do that. And, Diana, this is fascinating if this is true. RSS 0.92 is released, and that includes the ability to include audio files. And this is what enables podcasting. Not that Ta-da! stupid tape trader guy who's trying to sue the entire industry of podcasting uh, via his patents. Uh, it was the RSS feed, which most people don't even remember. Was just like I want to be updated with a website I like uh, updates new articles, which yep. back in those days wasn't as frequent. <laughs> like uh, I can't imagine needing that for articles these days on the sites I yeah. read. Exactly, Shelley. Or Steve, which one are we listening to? It's mine. <laughs> I don't know what she's doing. It's all right. There. We're probably here mine before the night is over. Um, Sorry. 
And mine. Movies. And a dog symphony. Oh, as we move into movies, I should say uh, release dates around this time get kind of hinky because Mm -hmm. a lot of everything gets dumped out into theaters in limited engagements. And a lot of them will go wide either by the end of the month or January or even February. So there's we only have one movie to talk about this week. I know actually other things came out. Mm -hmm. It's just they came out in a couple major cities. Really, we're going to talk about them in January. Mm, okay. So I, I like to spread it around a bit because if we went by the first time anyone saw this movie, we would have a fuck ton of things to talk about in January when everything goes to Sundance. Mm-hmm. But then the movie doesn't actually come out for more than a year. So ah. we don't do that. We I try to go with when does it get the wide release date where everyone right. can go see it. Right, right. Um, it, it's, it's probably for the best because that way we all experienced it together. And even yeah. though uh, home video is where I ended up experiencing this movie a lot and it's a tough one and i haven't i probably watched it like 50 times when it came out and i cannot i'll tell you about it after uh we discussed the movie a little bit because in the intro i threw marlon waynes on the bus but this is a lot of people in it like jared leto jennifer conley and ellen bernstein and why not keith david (laughs) delivering the mortal lines ass to ass uh requiem for a dream The most controversial film of the year is also the one critics are calling the best film of the year. I love you, Harry. Requiem for a Dream is furiously brilliant. Naturally. A thrilling, stylish, and hypnotic film. I like thinking about the red dress and the television. Now when I get the sun, I smile. From Darren Aronofsky, the director of Pi, Requiem for a Dream. See, that's crazy. I hadn't listened to this clip yet. And I like, did the world know about Pi? I mean, my 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 crew did. Yeah. Uh, but I no, guess it was I guess an so. indie hit. Yeah, Pi was a major indie hit starring Salamanca from Breaking Bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh this this movie, yeah, looking back on it, and was Aronofsky like a music video director? Oh, he feels like it. Because the the movie when they say it's stylish, like there are like all kinds of different lenses and techniques happening here and Mm -hmm. things that don't normally occur in a narrative film. Uh, The special effects are used for for to effective in weird degrees convey passage of time or uh, the loss of mind. And it is, I mean, yeah, to simulate like what drug use feels like. Right. I mean, well, certain, mm -hmm. certain, aspects of drug use because that's the thing it's 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 about everybody's different kind of drug use right and and, well i guess it's two because it's the mother and her speed her diet pills Mm -hmm. and ellen burstein and everyone else and heroin and we'd we'd heard remember train spotting was sort of slam for glamorizing heroin compared Mm -hmm. to this movie maybe it did (laughs) (laughs) yeah when they say it's a controversial movie i'm sort of like why i there's nothing about this makes me go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go try heroin. Mm-hmm. What glamorous lifestyles they all lead. It, uh, I immediately am like, oh, God, I why know. would you do that? Even Why would you even try that? Look what happens. It's so, I mean, I saw this my freshman year of college. I actually watched it for a psychology class because um, – mm-hmm. They, I had to watch a movie about drug use, and it was one of the ones on the list. And my best friend had a 
the DVD of it. So I said, let's go, let's watch mm -hmm. it. And I remember watching it. I was seeing a guy at the time who was very innocent evangelical Christian. And I was like, hey, I got to watch this movie for class. You want to watch it together? And he was like, oh, yes. No. And then after it was mm -hmm. over, he and I just, he was so mad at me. He was like, I cannot believe you made me watch. He learned a lot of things <laughs> through watching this movie. And I feel really bad now. But yeah, we were pretty much shell shocked afterwards. Like, oof, yeah, it's, that's it's, a lot. It's a tough movie by design, and I, I don't know exactly where. Arn it's based on a novel, but yeah. I, I don't know where Aronofsky stood. But for me at the time, it was perfect because I, I saw the movie. I had purchased the movie, saw it. My friend, film friends, all loved it. And then I had another section of friends as we were going a little toward more towards adulthood i'll even yeah my friends with like little less hope in their lives uh mm -hmm. we're doing drugs and i'm doing drugs with them because it's fun but we growing up in tallahassee florida we lacked two major drugs we lacked uh meth and heroin that just wasn't mm -hmm. here and we weren't really do that. People, there was some intervenous stuff happening, but it wasn't heroin exactly. And this came out the year my friends decided to start traveling to Atlanta to buy heroin. And I don't remember, I, I'm not going to talk about the ex exactly how that happens. Like buying drugs in a city where you don't know that many people is just a risky proposition anyway, especially one like this. And four of them OD'd, not because like they did too much, it's like they didn't know what to do. Because they just were going further into, and it wasn't even from like addiction. It's just like, what the fuck else are we going to do? We're bored out of our mind. And there's nothing, yeah, we can't afford college. What are we supposed to do? Uh, working in a kitchen sucks. And heroin. And and so every time a friend of mine OD'd, I would bring this movie or bring them to my house and I would force this movie on them. <laughs> and yeah, and that, that, mm -hmm. that this happened a handful of times. I also very much like the movie. Um but it does remind me of that period of my life where, like, are, are my friends going to start dying? It, and I think I, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know what his his intention was with the film, but like, that's what it means to me. I'm not saying the movie pulled them back, but everyone I showed the movie to, no matter what dalliance they had with substances, they are still alive. And uh, I don't know if the movie's to thank for that, but like, I, I don't know. I, I look at this now as something I had to prescribe to people, and I don't get a hmm. lot of joy out of the film anymore. Well, I mean, there's not a lot of joy to be had. It is yeah. deeply artistic. Mm. I mean, the way that it's made and, mm. you know, like you said, like how they show time changing or how they show people's perceptions changing, mm -hmm. whether they're high or whether they're straight or whether they're dope sick or mm -hmm. whatever. But yeah. I mean, it comes down to this is this is like the both their hobby and their job yeah. is scoring because if they don't have like when they have drugs, they feel great. And then after a while, it's like they have drugs. They're normal now. That just is enough to keep them normal, human, not dope sick. Mm -hmm. And so they do increasingly stupid and dangerous and demeaning things just to get their hit, even though they don't seem to be getting high. They're they're just getting the main maintenance, which is why I think we should just basically let people have drugs. Right. But sure, agree. Yeah, if if you're an addict, we should just give you the amount that you need. And I think they've done studies where people will will taper on their own because all of their crimes and everything they're doing because they need money, because they need drugs. And they're just, yeah, they're so dumb. 
Mm-hmm. Jared Leto's character is one of the dumbest characters. <laughs> he's like he's like a drug fiend, Nicolas Cage in Raising Arizona. Like his I he's so stupid. But <laughs> it's because he is so single-minded in no, and if we do this, we'll have all the drugs we want. And no. so it just does the dumbest shit. Just here, yeah. mom, I'm gonna steal your TV. You can get it back from, hey, Salamanca again. You can, you can get it back from the pawn shop. It'll be 20 bucks. It'll only be gone a couple hours. As opposed to just saying, mom, give me the 20 bucks that it would cost for you to get your TV out of Hawk. Mm. But she won't do that because she's anti. She, she, well, she's in denial. And then she gets into her own problem where it's like, well, yeah, you're messing with your brain chemistry, man. Oof. And, oh, things do not go well for her yeah and it's yeah i, I think it, I, uh, the portrayal of of how uniquely bad everything goes for everyone is very interesting because not all drugs are the same and designer mm-hmm. drugs if you want to call them that yeah they, they they affect people of different walks of life very differently mm-hmm. and I, I i do appreciate that about the movie sorry sarah what were you gonna say i was just mm-hmm. gonna say when i look back on what i remember about the movie i mean i definitely have vivid memories of kind of the last couple scenes where you show how everybody kind of ends up mm-hmm. but the actual like drug use parts of it i ellen burston's um scenes are the ones that i remember the most and they're yeah. for, for whatever reason to me they're the most affecting because they were so chaotic she's on speed and she's just losing it because she's on so much speed and it was so frightening to watch like because that's, that's just, the that's the only scenario you could imagine could happen to you i don't think you're yeah. really susceptible to anything else in the movie but yeah, you know probably. maybe you'll be alone and single and take some diet pills one day <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Well, a lot of people now get into heroin because they started with something like OxyContin. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And they can't get enough Oxy and then well the heroin will stop the withdrawal, which I've had opiate withdrawal once and oh. I fucking have so much sympathy oh. because it is the worst feeling ever. It really is like I'm fine one minute and now I have literally the worst flu I've ever had in my whole life. Everything hurts and I am shaking and I can't think straight and I just want to die and I want to sleep, but I can't rest. And oh, my God, what have I done? (laughs) I realized, oh, it's because I was on Vicodin after a minor surgery and then I just stopped it. Mm -hmm. That was a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I do have a weird complaint, though. I mean, like the the little shooting up montages, I think, is like the big thing that has been sort of borrowed from this movie. Mm -hmm. You see where it's like hand, needle, flame, Mm -hmm. uh, pupil dilating. But when you're on opioids, your pupil gets smaller, not bigger. Hey, Ah. movie's invalid. (laughs) Yeah. No, uppers, like cocaine, that's the ones that blows your pupils out. Got it. When you see someone with fucking black eyes like a doll's eyes, that means they're on uppers. (laughs) Uh, Good and, to know. And, but the, the real secret star of this film is the the, the score, uh, Clint Manziel's score. Oh I was God, yeah. I was pretty pissed when like Peter Jackson just deliberately took it. I think only for the Lord of the Rings Two Towers promotion. Like that's hmm. people associate the Requiem for a Dream song with mm-hmm. uh, Lord of the Rings, even though I don't think it appears in any of the movies. It was just in all the commercials and trailers. That that score is amazing. I've seen the Kronos Quartet <laughs> perform it because I mm-hmm. was once an obnoxious San Franciscan. And but the, the score is yeah. is amazing, and it's this mm-hmm. is not his first score, but it's like Clint Menzel would go on to 
make several other film scores for notable movies. Uh, I, yeah. I think it's fantastic. It is haunting is the exact word because mm. long after the movie, like the next couple of days, I kept thinking about it and it made mm. everything I was doing very dramatic indeed. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's and like it was brushing everywhere. my teeth. Oh no, I'm tragically brushing my teeth. <laughs> I, I, I remember... <laughs> We went to E3 one year, and the THQ booth was selling WWE games and had a big skyscraper-sized cardboard cutout of John Cena with a nail in his elbow so his hand could brush across his face, uh, (laughs) you-know-see-me style. And we set up a camera to slowly zoom in on that for 30 minutes and and then put the Clint Mansell song in the background. <laughs> and it's one of the funniest things we ever did that no one appreciates. But, um, <laughs> uh, but it's a, yeah, but I was uh, obviously I was not looking forward to this. I thought this would be too painful to rewatch or just too much mm-hmm. of a slog. And it wasn't. Mm. It was I mean, yeah, it's depressing and upsetting, but it's not. Like, well, I'm going to go jump off a fucking bridge now. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, right. humanity has no hope. Ah, it's not, it doesn't destroy me in the way a lot of these, you know, your average Lars Van Trier movie will just make me despair for all humanity forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's why when I read reviews about Mother, I'm like, did you not see Requiem? Like, it, <laughs> it's just sort of after the same reaction. Man, you just hadn't made that movie Mother. in a while. Um, I need to go yeah. back and watch that. I think uh, one week or two weeks from now, we get more Darren Aronofsky, too. Oh, we get a 2010 movie is it, is that it, is also off-putting, but not in the same way. Is it okay. Noah? Oh, no. Oh, no. no, it's not Noah, <laughs> which is a strange wow. fucking movie. I forgot so about strange. that. I wow. kind of recommend Noah because it's the weirdest damn thing. Okay. That's, that's what I hear. Yeah. It's completely worth watching. It it's and so one of the weirdest weird. things a studio's ever spent a hundred million dollars on. The story of uh, this story of Noah. <laughs> so weird. Oh yes. There's oh, like I know dogs it. that look like armadillos and angels that are rock monsters. Yeah, okay. Sure, <laughs> throw money at that. That's a great idea. Weird sons yes. of bitches. And just Ellen Burstyn, she got robbed for like so many awards. Yeah, it uh, is a brave fucking performance. I, I was thinking about this too, as a, a woman of a certain age, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to be willing to look so deeply well ugly and yeah. unpleasant, mm-hmm. but, and, to look and, so much worse than you actually look. And it's a, a, a breathless like that's a tough role for an older person to play. It involved a lot yeah. of moving around, and yeah. I, I don't I didn't know who she was before this. This made me remember her name forever. No, you haven't seen Alice doesn't live here anymore. No, I, I have since then, but like. Uh, I, this is sort of my. I knew who everybody else was coming in: Marlon Wayne, Jared ah. Leto, and Jennifer Connelly, and Keith David. Uh, but uh, oh, not Keith Ellen Burstyn. David. <laughs> Why are you so evil, Keith David? Keith David. Oh, um, oh. Ooh, shudder. And in that, yeah. so many of my friends saw this during that period. We would, um, if anybody bumped another one's butt, we would just ass We would do the Keith David I mean, line. Every, everybody is so good here. Jennifer Connelly mm-hmm. kind of blew my mind to realize. I think she's doing. We'll see her again in a beautiful mind, like next year. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Where it's like she's a grown, mature, smart person, and in this, you know, she just seems like like a college age fuck up yeah mm-hmm. so realistically desperate and marlon wayans is freaking great yeah it's, yeah. it's pretty that, really that one's astounding why, why has he not had a dramatic career mm-hmm. he just there's more money and not maybe maybe because uh, his brothers won't write him one <laughs> i don't know what other I movies know, he does man. 
He was oh. so like there's a couple moments he's giving me like Michael B. Jordan vibes. Like he is oh. really good. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Um and and it, again this is a short week for 2000. Recommend for yeah, a dream. So. Would, would you recommend watching it now? I, it's for me again it, it has a medicinal taste. It reminds me of a very scary time in my life and hmm. it's not something I want to revisit. And again the lines we quoted from it were all for the wrong reasons. And <laughs> But I, I thoroughly uh, recommend it if you want to see how this dude, like his arc as a visionary filmmaker, because like Pi is, it's great that you did all this with Pi, but this is a this is a phenomenal film. It reminded me of, like if I if I was alive when Scorsese was breaking into the industry, like that's what mm. this movie felt like to me. A completely new filmmaker is coming, uh, and it's great. And then I got bored of him, but uh, <laughs> I'll never forget yeah. Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, I'd recommend it. I believe it's on HBO. Yeah, it's short, too, for yeah. something that you think is going to be super depressing. It's like 145, like an hour 45. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's it comes and goes. Yes, it is a blessing. That was another I mean, thing. Was like, I, I was like, if this is more than like two hours, 20 minutes, I don't know if I can do this again. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, oh, it's actually pretty fast. Okay. I think it's a movie that should be seen, but I'm never going to watch it again. You know, I, I've seen mm. it and I'm good. Yeah. And okay. But I do think it is... It's something to be seen. It's very, it's so special. Like, you, there's really not much else like it. So, mm-hmm. it's definitely a record. Yeah. Good point. Wow. Yep. Uh, hard, hard pivot to the only games I could find that came out this week. Wait, I, oh, we got TV. Oh, my bad. TV. Uh, well, equally hard pivot. Um, <laughs> and I, I never understood. That's the name of the gay club <laughs> in town. <laughs> I, I never understood this title just because, like, do you want to say fuck? Like, what is this? Is this a, yeah. a phrase that people use? Uh, Queer as Folk hits uh, Showtime in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the U.S. version. The, yes, yeah. Okay. It was previously a British version, so maybe it's a British like phrase that we don't know? I don't know. Right. Like, um, uh, yeah, is it a phrase of some kind? Otherwise, I'm like, they just want to say fuck. Queer as Fuck, which would be a great title. <laughs> well, that's what Michael <laughs> Scott thinks it's named. <laughs> The, the office um but yes this is a huge huge show for mm-hmm. especially for the gay community and uh it ran five seasons i believe there was like a revival maybe a couple years ago where they like recap you know it's just yeah. a whole new cast and everything they did it with the starring- l word right I, I i mistake the two but then again showtime did both around the yes. same period. yeah l word just recently got Okay. rebooted i guess again um but yeah queer spoke this was a huge show for so many people in the gay community it mm-hmm. showed it wasn't super diverse because it's a group of you know white gay men um living in pittsburgh living their lives <laughs> but the amount of topics and controversial topics and things that the gay community was facing at the time it really like spanned the whole spectrum of what the gay community was yeah. facing in 2000. And there's probably you know, the a lot, fun- to, there's probably a lot to cover in 2000 given oh. the subject mm-hmm. matter. I'd, I'd seen it addressed in a couple of movies. Um, mm-hmm. We were talking about Jeffrey a while back. I love Jeffrey, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, the subject matter hadn't been, there's always a gay character on a show. There wasn't a show of all gay characters. Right. And showing yep. how they interact and showing their friendship. Um, yeah. I've seen some episodes. I haven't gone and watched the whole series, uh, but it's always kind of been on my list to go back and revisit. Looking when I was just checking it out today, like looking at a couple clips online, it really made me super nostalgic because when I went to college uh, in 2003, I was like immediately adopted by a group of like gay men who just became my best friends. And 
the show where I was looking at these clips, it's like that's exactly how all my friends dressed and how they danced <laughs> and the guys that they were into. Like it just felt so uh, it felt like home, honestly, to me, like <laughs> the clubs that they went to. I mean, here in Tallahassee, it's certainly not the same sort of scene, but just, oh, it just brothers, made me very nostalgic. A lot of good times at Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> brothers is great. But brothers. then after that, I don't know what else there was after that. It's it's a very important show, and it's for, yep. in the canon, and um, I think it would be a good rewatch probably just to see how mm-hmm. much things have changed. I, I think I watched the first yeah. episode just because I was curious to what happened to Hal Sparks. I love talk soup and didn't think he was bad on it. And he was immediately yeah. kicked off. And this is the last, the, before he was like narrating nostalgia on VH1, this is where he went. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's fun on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I watched this like on and off. It went five seasons, I think, you know, mm-hmm. ran for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I watched it on and off, and it was, you know, a nice mix of, like, soap opera and dealing with, like, real issues and comedy and a little bit of drama, but not, like, crazy heavy drama. And, yeah, it was just very pleasant. Yeah. And good on Showtime for giving us two revolutionary LBGT television shows that really yeah. gave people a place to go and watch stories about themselves that they could not find anywhere else yeah i think showtime <laughs> dove into that so hard they had to eventually create a whole channel just to like syndicate the stuff uh, logo yeah. i believe that's yeah. theirs and exactly. uh, uh wow again sh- extremely hard pivot to the video games <laughs> this period the 27th because it is <laughs> we go straight from frank conversations about gayness to uh cartoon adaptations <laughs> of 20 year old properties Yes, of course, this is the week where you get Scooby-Doo, classic creep capers, yay, for the N64, (laughs) and then a game called Aladdin, Disney's Aladdin in Nasira's Revenge, and I'm like, I love Aladdin, who the fuck is in your title? (laughs) What? (laughs) It is Jafar's sister, so apparently I missed some straight-to-DVD movie or the series, but Aladdin is fighting the revenge of Jafar's sister in this PS1 game. I'll find some more should we get to our, our comprehensive one with the Video Game Apocalypse Boys and hopefully Chris Baker. Yeah, let's close out this 2000 segment with Requiem for a Dream's um, Lux Eternia score by Clint mm-hmm. Menzel. A great haunting melody you'll remember from the Two Towers more than likely. <laughs> uh, but very, very good. Stay right there. we got more to talk about. internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of november 27th through december 3rd oh an array an array of movies to talk about let's start a hundred years ago in 1920 saw the release of the mark of zorro starring douglas fairbanks which you want to see some crazy ass stunts being done by the actual actor yeah sorry tom cruise douglas fairbanks especially around here mark zorro is one of his better ones I mean, Thief of Baghdad's probably the best, but Marcus Zorro is a lot of fun. And then moving forward to 75 years ago this week, saw the release of Detour, starring Tom Neal and Anne Savage. That's an early-ish, I mean, it's a, it's a noir, it's a film noir uh, about 
you know, bad things happening with like a couple on the run in this car and it's pretty cool too. Uh, I just found out, oh, they just released a Blu-ray by Criterion last year and it's technically in the public domain so you can see it all kinds of places including the National Film Registry. Yay. And then uh, for my recommend, I think a movie you could totally watch with your dad as we get to the holidays. It's so so close to lining up the other week with Dances with Wolves, but 50 years ago this week saw the release of a kind of similar movie, Little Big Man, starring Dustin Hoffman and Chief Dan George, which is also about uh, a white guy who goes to live with Native Americans, only uh, this time he's now involved with... Um, Custer shows up, and uh, damn, he's really good too. Why am I blanking on that actor's name? Richard Mulligan. That's right, from Empty Nest. He is really good as a very strange version of George Custer, who's probably pretty realistic because he is such an idiot and a massive douchebag and he leads his men into uh, a very bad fight. It doesn't go well for them, but uh, Little Big Man it's it's serious, but it's also got some fun parts to it and uh, I really like Justin Hoffman in it. It's a totally rewatchable not too cringeworthy revisionist style western uh, that's a lot of fun and I think dads will like it so Little Big Man, Mark of Zorro and Detour we're all over the place man and that's it for this week, stay classic Coming in at 2010 with a flow rider, Club Can't Handle Me, off of Only One Flow Part One, uh, out this week. Uh, welcome to 2010, everyone. November 27th to the 3rd. So, new music releases also include Love Me Back by Jasmine Sullivan, Let Freedom Reign by uh, Chrisettes, Michelle, and The DeAndre Way by Soldier Boy. Like a G6 by Far East Movement featuring uh, Katarakis and Dev. I can't be saying that right. Is number one after two weeks. Yep, um, two weeks away and it's back. Uh, welcome right. to 2010 and all that it is. Ten years ago this week, uh, Tangled is number one at the box office. But there are some new movies we're talking about. We have The Warrior's Way with Zhang Dengon, Kate Bosworth, Jeffrey Rush, and Danny Houston. I don't know what this is. <laughs> A legendary assassin. I must go or you will all be in danger. Betrayed by his clan. Fellas like you and me, we don't run. Ninjas. way this film is not yet rated oh man it'd eventually be uh pg or i don't know uh went to pg-13 mm. would be my guess oh man i was so disappointed it, this is a korean new zealand co-production wow and uh it's about this you know super ninja type who uh, is ordered to like kill a baby and instead of killing the baby <laughs> he grabs the baby and they go to the wild west Aww, oh like the mandalorian yeah. Why not? Yeah, and like some of it is actually pretty fun, but it's very, very over the top, and you, everything is CG straight to hell. Like the whole sets are very CG, so it's got kind of a three hundred look to it. Yeah. And you might not care for that. So, like, it, it does look like a video game a huge chunk of the time. Oh, like, so, like 
Matt or your husband sent me a clip of that Rudy Giuliani movie. And it's like, <laughs> it is all CG. And it's just Rudy yeah. walking on a beach on the fakest beach in history. And it, like, oh, movies like this are terrible. Why am I not making more? Uh, but Warrior's yeah, Way. Yeah, it's like, yeah, Warrior's Way. It's like, yeah, you either need to go super realistic or even crazier. But it's like, it's crazy, but not enough fun crazy. Oh. Yeah, if you like Korean action movies mm-hmm. and martial arts stuff, you know, if you want to see a bunch of dudes jumping on wires with swords, mm. sure, mm. why not? And um, here we go. And then the next movie this week, uh, Carrie Washington, Anthony Mackie, Navella Nelson, Thomas Roy, Wendell Pierce, Night Catches Us. Things have changed, snitch. I'm in charge now. I'm only here for a week and I'll be gone. And you think that changes things? Nobody's forgotten what you did to Neil. Ma, hmm. Who's this? Marcus. Was he a panther? Yeah. It's Patricia. If you don't have plans, you should come by. I can talk to them if you want me to. They listen to me. I can take care of myself. I know they pumped 16 bullets into my best friend on his information. It wasn't Marcus. I'm not the enemy. You still got a friend. They have lost their way. Well, goddamn. I want to see this now. Um, you should. I, it's good. Yeah, I, I haven't actually heard of this, but like, uh, I'm full on in Black Panther movie watching mode. Yeah, no, yeah. Night Nightcatcher has barely got a release, even though it, like it had huge buzz coming out of Sundance, mm-hmm. and and that's a real bummer because um, it's written directed by Tanya Hamilton, who's now been doing a lot of TV and stuff. I'd like to see her get a, another movie because it's damn good. Uh, it's about Anthony Mackie, who's a former Black Panther. He's been, you know away he spent some time in prison and then he was sort of away and then he comes back to philadelphia third week in a row for a philadelphia movie nice nice uh he comes back it's like the the late 70s uh he comes back to his old neighborhood and everyone there like all his former panther buddies hate him because they think he snitched and got a guy killed and it's sort of all about that interpersonal drama and like carrie washington is that the guy who got killed's wife and like she was involved and there was like a retribution killing of a cop and she knows stuff about that. And it's like, she has all the sympathy for Anthony Mackie, but at the same time you're like, but didn't he get your husband killed? And yeah, it's just kind of the solid drama of like the, the interpersonal, like mistrust on top of, you know, the activism, the black community policing, which I can vouch in the seventies in Philadelphia was really fucking racist. <laughs> And it has a score by the roots. Again, Philly. Wow. Cool. And I had to look up the, I'm trying to look at the actor now. Marlo from The Wire. I love that, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple me. people from The Wire in here, uh-huh. too, besides Wendell Pierce. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am kind of, it's one of these where, like, I'm just annoyed. Like, why haven't I heard of this movie? It's only 10 years old. It's got great actors in it. It's an interesting place and time, and it's a good story. Why won't anyone mention Night Catches Us? It's, I liked it's it. Weird. weird. Yeah. From a from an African American woman writer and director as well. Things we we are pretending to care about now and weren't even bothering with uh, ten years ago, sadly. So, yeah, yeah this very is, this, unfortunately very freaking topical. Yeah, so, this, yeah uh, I mean, it's this, my surprise recommend of the week for a movie I'd never even heard of. Seems right okay. up my alley, especially because like uh, um shit, I saw that Black Mirror episode with Anthony Mackie, and like I have never seen anything with this dude where he's not Falcon. I really mm. like this guy. Where can I get yeah. some more Anthony Mackie? And um, yeah, or now I know. This is probably going to be the one I watch. The- really going to be the one I watch after the show. Night catches. Sorry, everyone. It's a busy, bad week. Um, 
And then finally, this week we have Ryan Gosling, Kirsten Dunst, Franklin Jella. Um, again, Woo. Michael coined the term. I love saying it. Who has played Dracula, Nixon, and Skeletor? And one, <laughs> one of my favorite villains of this year. If you haven't seen Trial of Chicago Seven, which is why I was on my '70s Black Panther bio picky oh, uh, yeah, tip. Nice. Franklin Jella plays an even worse villain in that movie. And I don't care if you hate Aaron Sorkin. He plays the most incompetent, biased judge. And I, w- I went and read about him first. He is a hilariously terrible person. Once again, embodied by Frank Langella. It is hol- that movie's hilarious. Uh, all Good Things, though, also starts with Ryan Gosling and Kirsten Dunn. Sorry. Your grandfather didn't ask me to join the farm. It was understood. Got to finish up some stuff from my father. I've never been closer to anyone, and I don't know you at all. David, is there something wrong with you? You make me out to be this person that you think that I am. I'm not this person. Why would you give up everything just because of him? Kristen Wiig is in this. I don't know what it's about. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, let's see if this sounds familiar. It's about uh, a guy who comes from a rich real estate development uh, family in New York. You're saying this is um, me? Oh, keep going. Who's sort of odd. Uh, He has a troubles relationship with his wife, and then she disappears. Oh, shit, no way. Uh, I just clicked on this. this I just recommended the show to Sarah. Is this yep. really about yes. him? This is literally based on the life of Robert Durst. Oh, the jinx, And it's directed baby. by Andrew Jarecki, mm-hmm. who previously he had done Capturing the Freedmen's, the documentary. Fuck this is me. his first nonfiction, quote unquote, movie. He reached out to Durst a whole bunch to try to get information from him. In the end, it turns out Durst liked this movie, does a DVD commentary for wow. it. And wow. then agrees to sit down for a series of interviews. That's what the jinx becomes. Wow. Wow. This is the movie that is both a companion piece and the cause of the jinx. And I was telling I was solved the murders. Yeah, I was telling Sarah that like the jinx (laughs) is inadvertently the best docuseries ever made because it does end with kind of the capture of the guy. All these other documentaries like leave you in an ambiguous area, like, well, the oh, we got Chicago to reopen one aspect of the case, where it's like, no, mm. the, the jinx ends with the admission of a guy on camera. So like well, well yes. I still think that I I still think his confession is pretty nebulous. But I know, I, know. I don't think it would hold up in court, not. but but the, the no. things that were presented to him before he said that would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> including his signature his yeah. handwriting. Um Yeah. So, the There's a was and yeah, he's I mean, his his trial just got postponed because because of COVID, but he's uh, he's in he's in jail right now. Yeah, he's in jail yeah, right now. But, but you can still enjoy him. I think in the last season of Kimmy Schmidt, for some reason, yes. Fred Armisen plays him as the love interest of Carol Kane. <laughs> that show is brilliant. Yeah. Oh, the oh, Jinx! So much. The Jinx is uh, the best. Yeah. So all good things. The movie, like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone's really good in it. Uh, yeah. Ryan Gosling and Kirsten Dunst are both really good, and Franklin Jell is just always he's always perfect at everything. Mm-hmm. You know. It's just sort of okay, but as the preamble to the Jinx, which is a great series and so fascinating. And according to something I read, like they use footage from this, I think like B-roll from this in the Jinx to illustrate things. Wow. <laughs> yeah. The fact yeah. that that, that is the, the story of how that all came to be. I'll, I'll never my viewing of the jinx i watched i stole my dad's hbo go password years ago watched it googled it and that was the day 
I guess I got like a week after the last episode had aired, so I hadn't heard a ton. But then like the very moment my viewing ended, all the news blew up. And it was like the greatest mm-hmm. docuseries experience I've ever had. I really like the, uh, what was the Patton Oswalt's wife one that was on recently? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll be gone in the dark. I'll be gone in the dark. That shit was great. But yeah. like the news broke about how that ended, air quotes, months ago. Whereas mm-hmm. watching the Jinx was just this beautiful moment. Like, oh, this ended as the show aired. Sweet. Uh, watch the yeah. Jinx. Yeah, oh, my he, God. <laughs> that, that's when he got picked up for, even though he'd already stood trial for killing his neighbor and, and cutting up the body and throwing it in the water. Cutting up and the body. Like, well, we can't, we can't prove he killed the guy. So we'll just like bust him for disposing of a body improperly. And yeah. I was like, he said self-defense. <laughs> Does anyone have to cut up a body to dispose of it unless they killed the person? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like he was doing a favor for the coroner or something. <laughs> yeah, I think they like they tacitly ran it. Well, it might have been self-defense, but whatever. Like, okay. Yeah. Wow. This movie this movie in particular are all good things. I we watched it last night and it's definitely the story behind the movie is way better than the actual movie. Like yeah. it's fine, but it's not I, I wouldn't recommend it. I before I knew this is one of those movies that like I kept seeing pop up on like Netflix or whatever, and it looks like a like erotic thriller or something like that. And so I was mm-hmm. pretty excited to watch it. And then what it actually ended up being was not really that wasn't something that i loved very much but um yeah but it is on canopy weirdly um, <laughs> so that's where you want to watch it that's, that's the place though. to stream it but yeah it's it's fine costumes are great really good costuming <laughs> yeah because the period piece yeah it's like it's okay i mean now i do almost want to get this dvd i want to hear a robert Durst mean, commentary i will if it's included in the fucking jinx like a dvd that's the <laughs> thing yeah that's what you yeah. really need to be watching this should be a box set what a fantastic idea that is wonderful such a surprise uh segueing into television of 2010 the 27th of november to the 3rd of december the storage wars premieres which i oh my i had listed as as hoarder but i guess the show's not totally about hoarding it's more about gambling (laughs) sort of yeah um this was a show that sam and i discovered together uh while on like a weekend away but it was like raining so we were like kind of stuck in our hotel room and flipping through the channels and we were immediately entranced by this (laughs) whole premise it's quite exciting actually but the idea is that um it's a docuseries and when people basically default on payments for their storage unit it gets basically possessed by the storage unit um company and then after I guess a certain amount of time, they can sell the contents of whatever's in the storage unit. And so there is a company, an auction company that goes around and like hosts these events at storage unit places where they cut the lock off, open it up, open the door up, and people are allowed to like stand and look at what's in there, but they can't go in, they can't touch anything. And then Mm -hmm. they have to bid on buying all the contents. And then they have to go through it and dispose of it themselves. And so people treat it like a treasure hunt, basically. Mm-hmm. And the show goes through all of that. It's really entertaining. It was, <laughs> and, and of course, there's personalities that are, you know, kooky and everybody's got a different angle or whatever. But I really thought it was a really fun little series. Is, and is there, did of someone course, become particularly famous out of the series? Get a spinoff or something? Well, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I, they, I don't know the series that well. 
I feel like they've done one that's like Storage Wars Texas or whatever. Like mm-hmm. it's they've done themed ones for different regions of the country. I just I more wanted um, you to explain my favorite meme to come out of this because it's the the most intimate knowledge I have of Storage Wars. There's a guy who goes into a storage bin with a giant black guy and the other guy curses and it's he this giant black guy just looks at the camera and says this line. There we do. What the f- is this? Watch your profanity. Right. I'm- <laughs> That's so funny. Watch your profanity. Tell me that guy's Watch famous. Watch your profanity. <laughs> His response and the guy's response. Watch your profanity. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I, I've been. I'll put a dollar in the swear jar. I'm oh, so sorry. Oh, it makes me yeah. so happy. <laughs> See, I thought it's, you were gonna say. I think it was Storage Wars that Michael was telling you about him seeing a clip that was like someone found like an NES, a Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were like, I've seen these go for $1,000 on eBay. And it's like, because it was a special something. and It came with a limited game that was, it was the game that was the, you know, worth the money. And like, what do you mean it's only $20 on eBay? uh, No, thousands of dollars. I think when we write write the history of retro fan collecting, that set off this giant change. The storage words guy says, this is worth thousands of dollars. And all of a sudden, People who are not as nerdy as me, like, I have one of these. Do I have thousands of dollars thing? And then all of a sudden, people started holding on to them rather than you could get NESs anywhere 10 years ago. Whereas this week, Super Mario Brothers 3 sold the most of a game in an auction ever at like 150 grand, over 150 grand for one game in very good condition. But uh, and a variant, but still, like, it, this is this is me becoming my dad's age and my baseball cards becoming very valuable. I thought it wasn't going to happen, but it, Swords and Wars might, might have kicked off the great hoarding or valuing of that kind uh, of stuff. That's that's what well, I remember about it, like Michael. These kinds of shows are really kind of interesting to get have a perspective on it that, you know, people value these, you know, they'll find something that they think is valuable or is kind of strange. And so they then they take it to an expert and like a sword expert or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that person is like, oh, this is from like, you know, 1747 or whatever. And then it's valued at blah, blah, blah. Then they're like, we're rich. It's, mm-hmm. you know, worth $15,000. But the problem is finding someone who will right. pay that. Other than that, if you can't find anyone that will pay you $15,000 for your sword, you just got a fucking sword. In I your should house. say that my, uh, as your appraiser, my child's kindergarten artwork is also worth a million dollars, but uh, right. no one will yeah. pay for that. <laughs> no, no well, yeah, I, you know. I never care about the value on mm-hmm. some of these things. You know, even from Antiques Roadshow or American Pickers mm-hmm. or whatever. I just like the history crap. Same. Mm-hmm. That's all I care about. I, I love it. I hate when they start going. Oh my god, it's worth so much. No, it just sounds. That's a neat story. Yeah, <laughs> I love it when they find like a weird metal thing and they're like what even is this and they have to like kind of it's like oh that's like an old timey like tool that was used to you know measure glass eyeballs or something like that like it's just like some I think antique roadshow had a like of. oh that's uh the original rudolph from the rudolph the red-nosed reindeer thing this little metal thing like that Aww. that was rudolph hmm. I, I don't hate this reality show as much as i hate other reality shows just yeah. in concept it's pretty entertaining for an afternoon a rainy day afternoon i can see it i can see it's probably yeah and but this this show i was definitely watching this is a really good episode of community mixology mm-hmm. certification 
Um, is this like the third week in a row? I think we've done probably and there's a couple more coming because we got a christmas special right around the corner yes we will turn (laughs) this into a community podcast i mean and this this episode is even going back and looking at critics reviewing it now it's a it it was a little more honestly heartfelt than anything Mm -hmm. most things on tv at the time it it, it's all around donald glover's character troy who turns 21 and i had to get a clip of his revelation that he's 21 troy we're 1990 we're horses. I was born in 89. Then you were born 21 years ago. Which would make me 20 because everyone is 10 for two years. Because fifth grade is really hard for everyone. Mom, how many lives have I been living? Troy, do you realize that at midnight you are turning 21 as in the legal drinking age? Whoa! This party just became unacceptable. We're going out. Yep, but you guys were just complaining about us having too many parties. Too many lame ones. This is real. But what makes it real? Well, Shirley, think of it as Troy taking his first bath. Only the bubbles are his manhood. Yes. I want to bathe in manhood. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, they all go out to a bar where Troy. everyone gets drunk except Troy. I mean, has to watch. Yeah. It's, it's he's, a, the, he's the true adult because yeah. he drives everyone home. It's such a fun episode because everybody's little thing that they have going on is so sweet and special to them. You know, like it's just, I don't know. It really showcases everyone's talent and it gets them off campus, which doesn't happen as often as I would like. So it's always fun to see the whole crew in like a different context. Yep. And your boy, Paula Tompkins. Tompkins. (laughs) You know, we got so many messages of people reminding you. Burlesque was the very first episode of How Did This Get I Made? I know, I know. Oh. Yep. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's a definite recommend. And again, communities on Netflix, you should totally watch it. And uh, video games of 2010. Uh, oh goodness, look at this. Uh, well, this barely counts. But we just talked about Cave Story on a recent on a recent episode of Edge Game Apocalypse. And this is going to this is why we need the longer space to talk about games a little more. Border. No, no. Um, uh, there's also Unbound Saga, TNT Racer. Super Meat Boy comes to PC, uh, Dead Nation, and a game, frankly, I've spoken too much about on podcasts, Epic Mickey. <laughs> Epic Mickey <laughs> is out. We did an episode of Laser Time recently about the weirdest the weirdest litigation over fictional IP. And yeah, the, the very real sportscaster Al Michaels was traded to Universal to get Oswald the Lucky Rabbit back to be in this game <laughs> that was what? the first thing they did yes a very real person was traded for a very fake character uh, to get walt disney's original creation back from universal who stole him in 1927 and made walt disney start his own company i'll fucking make my own oswald and he'll be a mouse and surely he'll be moderately successful and i'll never hate jews these are all walt disney's words <laughs> in 1927. and i'll live forever and i'll live forever damn it and i'll never have my head frozen <laughs> and, I, and I won't make comic book movies. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Epic Mickey is a, a, an incredibly crazy game on the wrong fucking platform. But the the biggest, best representation of Disney Anna in a video game I've ever seen in my entire life. I my job at the time I'm in the commercial. You can, my pull quote is in the commercial for the game. And mm-hmm. Michael and I always brag about that when that happens. I just did like I think Brett challenged me like find a hundred obscure Disney references in the game. Until you can't, and then like I played through the first hour, like that's the UFO from Race to Witch Mountain. This is really obscure. <laughs> uh, wow. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Was it Race to Witch Mountain? No, that's the fucking rock version. Um, Escape. Escape, from Escape from to Witch Mountain. 
and yeah, a ton of stuff like that. A bunch of a world where forgotten Disney characters and IP lives that Mickey has to rescue. Interesting. Uh, and you can check out more of that on patreon.com slash laser time. I mean, I really would do love to do a full play through that game someday. Uh, more podcasts over there. Sarah and Sam are talking about their own little adventures in quarantining. Um, being very, very close to the, the Rona virus. Um, they don't have it yet. You get to hear your process, um, which is yes. it's, it's the, the process, the, the, the non-scary process of what to do when you think, ah, eh, shit. Um, yeah. It looks like it's finally come for us. And so you can hear that on patreon.com slash laser times. Price of five bucks helps, helps us all out, keeps us all paid. We thank you so much. Also, listen to Laser Time, Video Game Apocalypse. Diana, where do people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at ListenerNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And to tease next week, we will be talking about a movie that is turning 20, but it took almost 10 years to get to the United States wow. because it's The Hunger Games before The Hunger Games. Oh, shit. I know what this is. Oh, I'm, yes. <laughs> this is the much better Hunger Games. And I concur. <laughs> I, mean, I, I like The Hunger Games, but this is one one film. It's very good. Good Lord. They, but with that all out of the way, we're going to have a birthday and death quiz. But not a death quiz, sorry. Who died this week during the period of the show? Uh, November 27th oh. through December 3rd. I feel like they all waited for this week. We got a whole bunch of them. Let's start with in 1990s when we lost uh, Italian spaghetti Western director Sergio Corbucci, who was 63. Uh, the Great Silence and Los Compañeros total recommends. We also lost composer Aaron Copeland, who was 90. You know his works, even if you don't know his works. Uh, Rodeo, Portrait of Lincoln. In 2000, we lost Gwendolyn Brooks, 83. She was a poet she is the first black person to win a pulitzer prize and then in 2010 we lost irvin kirshner who is 87 who is a lengthy lengthy directing career but we all know him as the guy who made empire strikes back the best star wars movie ever and god damn we lost leslie nielsen he was 84 love leslie Uh, enrico palazzo enrico palazzo nice beaver uh, <laughs> thanks. I just had it stuffed. Uh, <laughs> the, the, there's so many great Leslie Nielsen lines. Like a midget at a urinal, I was gonna have to stay on my toes. And, <laughs> I love wow. Leslie Nielsen uh, movie it's, so much. It's so weird when you watch something older and he's like a serious actor in it. Yeah, you're, like, it, we, yeah. you're waiting for something funny to happen. You're like, no, he's just a serious actor. He it, just. Learned and then later Ho- that being that serious is funny. And then Hollywood totally got it wrong and thought he was like an old Jim Carrey. Like, no, that's not what's funny. It's him delivering lines without laughing mm-hmm. as a professional actor. Yeah. Like, that's that's what's hilarious. Leslie Nielsen rules, <sighs> and I cannot believe it's been 10 years. With those, all those people dead, someone must rise up and be born. It's the <laughs> birthday quiz! Oh, birthday is a doodly-doo, a ding-dong doodly-doodly ding-dong-doo. Okay, good birthday this week. Turning 75. Born December 1st, 1945 in Honolulu, territory of Hawaii. Not a state yet. Oh, 1945? 1945. Uh, She was an extra in the film Hawaii as a seasick passenger. And she used that money to move to New York City to study acting. She played Seitel during the original run of Fiddler on the Roof and in The Who's Tommy. No idea. Since then, four Golden Globes, three Grammys, including Best New Artist, which she didn't have to give back, Millie Vanilli, three Emmys, a Tony, and two Oscar nominations. Jesus. Uh, Not Bernadette Peters. No, fair guess, though. Thinking of someone more Islander-y, um, The Rock. 
No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no yeah. So she's All almost right. got it. You got. She's mm-hmm. almost got it. She's three to an EGOT. Okay. She's got it. How about, I don't know if this is going to help you or not, but uh, she founded the New York Restoration Project to revitalize city parks and poor neighborhoods, which saved 60 community gardens, built a new park on the Harlem River with free after-school programs, and in 1991 was an early part of the Adopt-A-Highway program in L.A., sponsoring part of the Ventura Freeway. Huh. Wow. Yeah, I'm not getting this at all. Um, okay, movies of hers we have talked about. Okay. Fantasia 2000, The Women, Oliver and Company. Oh, Jaja uh, Gabor? No, no, no. It's uh, is it um, Diane Keaton? Nope. But uh, we also talked about Stella, Cats and Dogs: The Revenge of Kitty Galore, Down and Out, Beverly Hills, uh, Bette Midler. Damn it! There you go. Damn it! it Bette Midler. See, that's why I put in the Ventura Freeway thing, Chris. Is try to give you an extra head, heads up. Why, why would I get that? I, because of the Simpsons joke. Oh yes. <laughs> All right, yes, all right. I, I was given right, that one, and Sarah I, still took it. I really thought Sarah had, had this one locked down, especially by the time we got to uh, Ruthless People, Outrageous Fortune, Big Business, Drowning Mona, Isn't She Great Beaches, and First Wives Club. Shasha yes. Gabor, what was I thinking? That uh, Miller is a, she's the best. I just love her so much. Geez. But my favorite thing is, and I think I told this story when we talked about Zombieland, when they're <laughs> showing up to the celebrity's house and it oh, says BM yeah. and I excitedly turned to the person sitting next to me and said oh my god Bette Midler <laughs> <laughs> it was not it was Bill Murray <laughs> I think I might be the only person in the world who got that excited <laughs> all right. uh, so I'm really disappointed that I don't think Diane Keaton's birthday is next week because we could have hit all oh. first wives right in a row <laughs> love it yeah uh, well, with that, we're going to close out with one of the new releases this week. Is this a new release? Tom's Diner? No. From 1990. Uh, wow. It's it's as high on the charts as it's ever going to get. So I thought, let's throw it in here now. The Do-Do-Do-Do song. Yeah. Do-Do-Do-Do-Do-Do-Do. It's still a fun song. I dig it. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Patreon.com slash Laser Time. Uh, tell a friend, or instead, we'll pour the milk. I am sitting in the morning at the diner on the corner. I am waiting for the man to pour the coffee and he fills it only halfway and before i even argue he is looking out the window at somebody coming in da, 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 da.